Hello, welcome to another Music Ally Focus with me, Music Ally's editor, Joe Sparrow. And in this episode, I go and speak to Sven Deutschmann, managing director of Sonopress, which is a company, a very large company, that makes vinyl records and other physical media, and which is owned by Bertelsmann. We spoke about making records with a new process that they've invented, which uses the same plastic as used in plastic water bottles, and that uses significantly less energy and creates much less waste. All of that in one minute. Now, each Music Ally Focus episode, as you know, analyzes one meaningful music business story at a time. And so this podcast is also going to be quick. It should take about the same amount of time as Keshav Swain could smash 2,500 green coconuts with his elbows. He smashed 85 green coconuts in one minute in 2012. Now, Talking of expending a lot of energy on pressing something, Sonopress is about to launch a brand new, and they say, revolutionary form of vinyl LP called Eco Record. It's one that dramatically reduces, they say, the environmental impact of the manufacturing process. And it's not actually made of vinyl. It's made by injection molding and not pressing, and it's produced using polyethylene terapethylate, or PET, easy for you to say, rather than polyvinyl chloride, which we all know is PVC. They say it can also be produced using 100% recycled PET, like the plastic from your drinks bottles. And creating the records requires neither natural gas nor steam. And Sonopress says its test operation saw energy savings of up to 85% compared to the traditional process. They're also aiming to launch these new forms of records in collaboration with Warner Music very soon. So I went to speak to Sven Deutschmann at the Bertelsmann office in the middle of Berlin to talk about this and to see some of these new records for myself. So I'm very happy to do a fairly rare in-person uh, podcast recording uh, with uh, Sven Deutschmann, Managing Director of Sonopress. Hi Sven, thanks for joining us. Good morning, good to see you. Good to see you too. And here we are in a very sunny Berlin near Museum Insel, which is very nice. And we're here to talk about uh, the, the new Sonopress manufacturing of vinyl, which is the ambition is to really reduce environmental uh, footprint and better for the environment. But before we talk about that, can we start with some basic uh, context, just to get, let the listeners understand who you are and what Sonopress does, please? Yeah, about Sonopress. Sonopress is part of the Bertelsmann group of companies, and uh, Sonopress was founded in 1958, so uh, exactly like 65 years ago. And when we started, it was actually with the LP record, so to say, vinyl record business. And uh, from then on, we have developed, of course, like optical data carriers like CD, DVD, Blu-ray and others. And uh, we set up sites all around the globe from the US, South America, in Europe, various sites uh, for the production and even in Asia. And with this, we have been covering the global music market as a service provider to the music makers, one hand but developed it also with our sister company, uh, BMG. And uh, from the music industry, we have also exploited other entertainment areas like video, home entertainment, as well as for video games. And with the services, we have been a service provider for the industry for many decades. So this was like the Sonopress history uh, from these uh, 65 years. I, for myself, been uh, with Sonopress and Bertelsmann for 32 years, which is almost covering half of this. And uh, so with quite a background of what has been the challenge in the industry and what are developments. And of course, in that time, you've seen the demand for vinyl change from it being the standard way of consuming music to going away again, 
and then returning again, which has happened in the last uh, 10 or 15 years. And of course, in the last, let's say, five years, demand for vinyl has exploded and people are, are extremely keen on it. And of course, what we're talking about here today is, is this product, new product that you have called Eco Record. Um, and this is this more environmentally friendly version of, of not vinyl, it's, it's, a, it's a record that is not made of vinyl. But c can you explain what Eco Record is and why Sonopress Press decided to make it in the first place? You might say, like, why is it coming back? But uh, we never lost track to this industry, first of all, because our uh, clients, the music majors, have been in this market, even if it was a niche for, for many years. And we ourselves have been with our sister company in the printing business, Topak, which is part of Sonopress, and uh, we've been printing the vinyl sleeves. So we have seen this market developing with a constant growth, it was a fascinating moment like two years ago when we said like BMG is asking for more um, service in the vinyl record uh, background in the industry, not only vinyl sleeves, but also the records as such. We thought like maybe it's a good moment now to reconsider getting into this market after three decades not being in this market. And then we said like, yes, let's do it. But not with only covering the old traditional approach of vinyl record made of PVC, and I guess this might be a question coming to this in, in a moment, but um, looking for more environmental friendly alternatives, including other materials, other production methods, and this was the start of our project, what we call it like Eco Record. And so this is a new product, isn't it? Um, you showed me just before we spoke a, a video of, of the machine that makes this, and I, I will link to that beneath the podcast because it's fascinating to see it in action. Um, but w can you explain what makes this new manufacturing process better for the environment? First of all, maybe how is the, the old vinyl PVC process, how does that consume energy and how is that perhaps a less energy efficient way of doing it? And how is the new one different and how does it consume less energy? I would say each and every process uh, fits into the right time and into the right context. So, so to say, the vinyl production method was absolutely the right process maybe 70 years, 75 years ago. With today's knowledge, with uh, the recent developments, everything has to be, of course, uh, questioned. Is it still the right approach or can some, something being improved? And definitely to generate steam for a process might not be the latest technology really thinking of a technology. So just thinking of if, if we, we have a train, uh, everything is electricized uh, today. So, so therefore, with, with electrification on cars, trains and everything, it's not really state-of-the-art thinking about the steam-generating production process. And uh, then, of course, we have the material and, and there's a lot of things reconsidering what can be done. And with our background, as Sonopress, we were producing laser disc 40 years ago in injection molding, we thought like it's absolutely worthwhile to reconsider, review all the processes with the late um, development that we have in injection molding too. So yeah, so one of the things that surprised me, I didn't ever think about how vinyl records were manufactured, but the, it, they, these machines still use steam to heat up the, 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 we're probably all familiar with the idea of the machines, how uh, they press, um, the vinyl records together, but they still use steam to heat it, um, and it's, it's in a press. 
and then it has to cool them down as well. So there's a, a, a two-way uh, heating and cooling system, which obviously uses a lot of energy. And you, you were explaining that this new form of vinyl that you're, you're producing now is, is made differently. This is injection molding, different machine, different process. And does that mean that the, the need for heating and the amount of energy needed is less as well? Definitely it is. Uh, if, if you look at the uh, traditional process, which is also called in the industry compression mold, compression molding uh, as a process, this is definitely the heating and cooling in, in the same tool, which uh, is a constant up and down of the temperature cycle and requires not only a lot of energy, but it also puts a lot of stress and strain to the molding tools, uh, which, which requires uh, constant um, stamper changes after a couple of hundreds, maybe a thousand um, records manufacturer, which is also a, a certain um, disadvantage in the process. Uh, in injection molding, it's much more advanced because uh, the tooling as such is not under stress, under constant stress, and it always has the same temperature. Um, you can say like room temperature um, to, to have the cooling effect because the material as such, which is injected into the tools, uh, is heated up uh, by a certain screw method, constant heating, and so it cools down, it really freezes, so to say, uh, once it touches the form, and then the record is done, ready. Yeah, so it's, that's an interesting thing I hadn't thought about, which is under the, the, the old-fashioned, and it is old, it's 75 years old, uh, you said, um, the, the press, the, the two stampers which, put, you know, form the, the vinyl, that the pressure goes through them and you have to dispose of them because they get worn out because of the pressure. But with this new technique, because it's injection molding, there are savings in terms of uh, energy and also um, materials in, in other ways. So you, you don't have to heat it up so much, you don't have to cool it down so much, and the actual, the stamper, the thing which presses the, well, in the old method, presses the grooves into the vinyl, now essentially the the plastic is being pressed onto those what were stampers, so it's they last longer, I guess. Is, is that right? Absolutely. So, so we would say uh, even 10,000 and, and far beyond uh, units records oh, wow. is, is not a mystery to, to get manufactured. Uh, we, we see it very similar because the technology as such is used uh, in this form for CDs, for Blu-rays, and uh, for, for other optical data carriers for decades now. And with all the experience, we can say stampers last very long. Uh, so, so basically, they would not wear out at all. So, so therefore, this is almost like a very, very long-lasting stamper. Also, to talk about the accuracy, as we know, injection molded is used as such an advanced production method that you can really manufacture very fine structures and, and when we are talking about groove structures, it's always also a quality question. How accurate can you really form structures and have uh, the consistency of the material, no stress in the material? Injection molding by far is the advanced and the most chosen uh, method of doing so. So I would say if today somebody would have the, the task, please, in which process would you manufacture like a record disc? then uh, I think most of the experts would absolutely agree that injection molding would be the most preferred and advanced system to do this. Right. So if it, if it was invented today, we, today, we, we wouldn't right. be doing that. Yeah. So um, what's the other, the other main difference then is 
with traditional vinyl records, it's it's PVC you were mentioning, you're mentioning, which is obviously a plastic which is has its own environmental issues uh, and problems as well. But you're not using that; you're using a different form of plastic. Can you explain what kind of plastic that is and how people may know it from other things? Oh yeah, very welcome. Uh, it's it's PT. So PT is a short form of uh, polyester, or even the longer wording is uh, polyethylene tereftalat. So this is a very long word for for this. But everybody knows the PET from uh, the PET bottles. Uh, this is the most common usage of PET. But PET uh, is such a widely known uh, uh, polymer for this, uh, so, so that it has a lot of advantages. One of the biggest advantages is, of course, the recyclability. This is really great organized in most of the countries, uh, that, that the PET is collected and has, therefore, also the category number one. Uh, it's the most recycled plastic of all, this is number one, and so this is the most advanced. And on top of this, if you talk about not only the recycling and mechanical recycling, we really go now for the circular economy recycling, which means like there won't be any loss in the yeah, purity grade of the material. So we can use recycled PET for generating the same purity for a later produced record with no loss of quality or appearance, clearness, or yeah, features of the material itself. Right, so that's really interesting. You've, so the plastic bottles that we all drink our um, bottled water or fizzy drinks out of, that's, that's the same plastic that's being used for these records. And actually, they could be literally the same. It could be a recycled version of the bottle. So you, do, it, you don't need new materials to... To make a really good record, you can use recycled ones as well. Um, that that's really interesting. But you've got some records here, and so this is an, another unusual thing for the podcast. We can actually look at some physical products. So I'm ex as a as a bit of a vinyl nerd, I'm I'm excited to, to to see this. And what Sven has got here in front of me, folks, is a record which, to all intents and purposes, feels and looks exactly the same as any other vinyl record. This one here is a nice uh, ultramarine translucent blue, which is uh, particularly a pleasant color, but you can do any color, I guess. Any color, any, color. any Pantone color is possible. So it can, of course, it can be black. So this is just a question of uh, which color, which Pantone um, color uh, do you choose? So any color is possible. And it feels very similar to vinyl, but maybe, maybe, a, maybe a tiny bit similar to a, a giant CD. It has that sort of it, it is flexible like vinyl. It looks and feels like it. So the first question I can imagine any audiophile is thinking as I say this is, yes, okay, it looks like a normal vinyl record. It feels like one. It looks really nice. But does it sound like a vinyl record? And how do you do those experiments to, to test the, the fidelity of the sound? Absolutely. So, so, so if this wouldn't, would be the case, I think uh, then I would not sit here. So, so this was from day one, I think, uh, our first and... Um, highest uh, priority on, on developing the thing so, so to achieve the same quality I don't want to say better but the same quality assurance and and this is absolutely a given and with this in mind I think uh, it's it's not only that the injection molding process has all the advantages in the accuracy of the process as such but also in uh, the constant quality uh, so over a period of let's say 1,000 10,000 100,000 always in the same quality we see it that we can measure it. And from the very beginning, we have analyzed like the grooves. It's a, it's a structure of uh, 
what is the spacing, what is the land, does it make a difference if we cut down like a 50 micron deep groove or is it a 70 micron deep groove, what is the land structure, what is the forming, and this is all of course uh, traceable, trackable, uh, that, that we see that the quality is ensured. And not alone that we have our experts in-house, so we have um, commissioned external colleagues, experts, and I would say industry um, veterans who can really uh, say this is absolutely um, covering the same thing. And um, even from the purity of the material, this has a big influence. We've analyzed a lot of other materials in the market from the traditional wine industry, and you can see a lot of, I would say, contamination. So once you talk about certain materials, very small particles can have an influence on the material, on the sound quality. So if you talk about what is with um, yeah, certain vinyl components, with additives, or with uh, quoting also here's a recycled share in it, then we have analyzed that even the smallest particles, which go down in a size of under 30 micron, even under 20 micron, can have an influence to the groove and then, so to say, on the sound quality. So, so that, that could be a piece of dust in the air or a small particle that, that, that it gets into the pressing? Yes, it gets into the pressing, but it can be also in the material as such. So if you have certain color components or something like this, then you have particles which, which can really have an influence. And so therefore, uh, we, we really have seen that uh, on the PET, the purity of the material is not showing any of these little particles in it. And so to avoid everything which is uh, having this, this effect of small particles in it. Now, at this point, let me just take a moment to remind you that last year, Music Ally launched a series of five free courses covering everything you need to know about Amazon Music for artists, including programming and curation, selling artist merchandise, understanding voice technology, reaching audiences via Alexa, and live streaming on Twitch. Supported by Amazon Music, these courses are all completely free to access. And now, thanks to Amazon's support, Music Ally is also able to offer complimentary certification to any individual or company that completes all five of the courses. So what have you got to lose? Nothing, that's what, because they're all free. So you can find a link to the Amazon Music for Artists series in our show notes beneath the podcast. So what then is the, the difference in terms of the uh, let's say the environmental footprint. How do you how do you measure how this is better for the environment? Is it is it in terms of what are the measurement points? Is it the materials? Is it the energy used? Or is, can you can you explain for the audience maybe with some figures how this is better than than the traditional techniques? Yeah, then then it goes definitely hand in hand. As um, as when we look at injection molding in the record industry, I think it's also interesting to to mention that like uh, from the very beginning when it was introduced as a LP, the long playing microgroove record by Columbia in uh, 1948, uh, from the very beginning, also in the US, injection molding was, was considered as a method of uh, production. And it was from the early 1950s up to uh, 1990s, for more than four decades, LP records, singles, and uh, also the EPs were produced, especially in the US, by injection molding. And uh, the driver, so to say, 
was not so much the environmental aspect, which we now really see. It was more like productivity. It was uh, also uh, ramping up capacities. And very interesting when we learned that uh, sometimes even in eight cavities, the LP records, the signals were produced. Eight cavities means by one shot, eight records in one shot were produced. This was fascinating to see it. So it has been a lot of different drivers why injection molding was, was uh, chosen in the past. When we reviewed, this was of course also an element like what is efficiency, what is uh, automation grades and others um, on, on this. But then on top, when we analyzed, the electrical energy needed in injection molding is only a fraction of what is used in comparison in a traditional compression molding machine. This is so huge, the difference. This even goes far beyond of any of the material aspect. Just the energy involved in the process is huge. And what sort of ratio is that? What's, how, how much less energy do you use in the process? It's like, uh, if we talk on, on our process, it's um, um, like we did a calculation on the energy process involvement on a um, 140 or 180 gram um, record. It would be like a reduction of more than 85%. The latest calculation was like 88%. This is the energy involved in the process, not considering the material. If you uh, think of the material, it's very difficult to really find uh, numbers and figures on the PVC. Uh, we know what uh, our partners for the PET uh, have, have provided us with uh, the LCA, which is a, yeah, the greenhouse emission uh, value um, in uh, carbon footprint for the carbon dioxide. But we do not really know what is this value on uh, PVC. We have seen so many different values there. Yeah? What is included, what is not included. We have seen something from the... Um, um, Universities in the UK, for example, they have values of about 3.4 kilogram per kilogram on PVC, but it can even raise up to 7 point something kilograms. If we look at Chinese studies, it goes down to some other European manufacturers claiming like it's only 2.2 kilogram per kilogram uh, PVC. So I think this is a wide range. I think this would be one of the tasks to really find out what is the real value there and then do the comparison. What we know there is, is, I think, um, in, um, definitely a contribution of improvement. And this is, I think, the message. It's not so much like claiming being better or what is the value in percentage. In the end, it's about can the industry as such for the music labels contribute something? Can we offer something? And this is like a question uh, we as an industry, we are really supporting also all the initiatives of the Vinyl Alliance, uh, which is a global association uh, bringing the format for, uh, forward. And so therefore we really, I think, see it positive. Let's contribute something. And I've seen also very good initiatives for the traditional vinyl uh, record industry. So it's not an either or. It's like, what can we do together to improve it? And this, we're talking here about something that obviously a lot of people are very, very um, driven to make changes around environmental um, impact of, of everything. They, you know, this is so important to our lives. So. You are obviously finding people are enthusiastic about about this, you, being able to produce records with with a with a lower carbon footprint. So, is the demand driven? You're saying that the the on the record label side, people the labels want to produce uh, more environmentally friendly records. But, but where is the drive coming from? Is it also coming from artists and fans? And, and what are they saying, or what do they want? 
it's it's a mix of everything of this uh, what you what you mentioned. It's definitely starting uh, with a music artist. There's um, I think also there's a global overview of which bands, which artists have done most for the for the environment or for the footprint. This is definitely the case on the artist side. It continues with the labels. And uh, we've seen this uh, in the commitments, the mission statement of uh, the music labels. I'm talking to, to the majors, um, like Warner Music, Universal and, and Sony, definitely. But we see it very much also um, embedded in the BMG structure uh, strategy. And uh, for Warner, we can say this is what, what Aussie also really brought us forward with uh, cooperation with Warner Music is that they have really embedded it in their ESG report. So to say, what is the improvement? What can we do? Um, and this is uh, also including the LP record production. And uh, so therefore, it's it's a mix. And not to forget the consumers. <clears throat> In the end, it's the music listeners globally who really want to support these initiatives and uh, to, to really uh, compare also what is a carbon footprint and uh, what what is, I think, a good initiative there if deciding for a physical product. And I think uh, more and more people also know now that uh, even streaming is not for free in, in carbon footprint uh, balances. So, so therefore also, if we're comparing this, and maybe I can mention this also, if you're listening to an LP record a certain number of times and comparing this to listening to a stream a certain number of times, then it says like after in the traditional process, like if you're listening like 20, 25 times to the LP record track, you're even doing better than, than the streaming. So so this is very interesting. I think these comparisons are in a very early stage and uh, was with our initiative of, of the eco record, reducing further in the footprint. I think we can maybe uh, also announce something like uh, that will bring down this ratio that it's only necessary to listen to an record then let's say six to eight times and we are on par with what streaming does so therefore i think uh, there's good improvement potential to do something good for the environment you have a an arrangement with warner music group to start manufacturing records for release when will we start to see these eco records in the shops coldplay is an example an artist that is enormous very very committed to um, reducing the carbon footprint on their touring for instance you know, I'm sure that when they release their next album, they'll be interested in reducing the carbon footprint there as well. And they have a, a fan base who are also equally keen to, to buy records that are better for the environment. So what does that roadmap look like in terms of rolling this out for manufacturing and, and getting them in shops and people will be listening to them? Yeah, this was a key um, topic on the agenda always when we met with uh, Warner Music, which goes on for a year now in this project, but but our, our partnership with Warner Music goes far beyond. So, so working for Warner Music, uh, Sonopress, we do this for more than a decade. So so therefore, I think uh, the connection is, is and has been always very good. On this project, especially, uh, we have done uh, like uh, bi-weekly uh, meetings uh, on, on seeing the progress. And now the next phase is the most interesting one, to pick the right uh, releases. Uh, for, for uh, 2024, and this starts in a few weeks, so, so this does mean um, we have no influence on release dates and others. This is all a Warner Music decision, and we are following their guidance, uh, but early 2024, we will see the first um, Eco Records in the shop. It's ready to go. The machines exist, um, and you can start making these records now, I guess. How long does it take to create one of these records from you know, the, the, these plastic pellets going in the machine to a record coming out of it? 
roughly <clears throat> a thumb of rule is uh, let's do a 30 second uh, production process for the traditional one. The injection molding could be calculated a bit faster, yes, right, but in the very beginning to have the ramp up of the process, I think the sum of rule is correct if we do like uh, 20 to 30 seconds uh, per, per record. And this gives an output uh, of um, a certain number of uh, records per day and per week per machine could be like a 25,000 uh, plus um, for one machine per week. But of course, it can be ramped up with more machines. So this gives a little bit the, the idea of capacity and lead times. But uh, if, if you um, generally get into the process calculation of lead times and you consider every capacity from mastering, electroforming, production of the machine, and printed, everything is ready, then you can do everything within two weeks. Of course, if you have a good utilization of machines and all the capacities, then it might lead to longer lead times. So this is always a question of volume and capacity. Yeah. And, you know, look, looking forward then, the total number of uh, vinyl records that are being produced now, what are your ambitions in terms of the percentage of that market? How many records do you think you could be making with this tech? Yeah, for us at Zonopress, it's, it's uh, not so much like a volume game. It's more like getting into the process and, and delivering good products uh, to, to, to the label. And, and uh, I think... Uh, meets the expectation of Warner Music and the other labels. I think this is key to us, uh, not so much a volume-driven game, but if we look at the numbers, sure, this is based um, on the basis also for further investments. And uh, what, what, what we invested has the expectation internally that we have a good utilization. This is number one. If we look at the total market, uh, latest numbers and figures uh, from IFPI, Future Source and other sources, and also based on uh, like the Making Vinyl Conference, it shows that the total number of record discs can be seen in a, in a yeah, ballpark of 180, 200 million records annually for 2024, 2025. But this includes, of course, albums which have like a two-disc collection or three-disc. So the total number of discs, this is 180 to 200 million, which is, which is a great number. Um, we can do with our first machine like a yeah, rough figure of one point something million annually. And this gives you the flavor that this is even less than 1%. So, so we need to invest the second line, the third line, to even uh, come close to the first 10%. But um, I can really consider that uh, we will see um, in this transition phase, it takes about three to five years. And then this um, method and this alternative approach for LP records can be seen in a range of 15 to 20% market share. And finally then, are you getting feedback from, from artists who are saying, yeah, we want to do this. We want, we want our records to be uh, produced in this way, to be more environmentally friendly. Is, is it, are you sensing enthusiasm from the artist side? Definitely. And uh, so to say, it was almost vice versa because this was like, uh, the initiative from uh, from artists also um, approaching Warner Music, what can be done um, as an alternative uh, method, alternative material, more sustainable, recycled material and others. So it was even the starting point. It was not so much that, that we just went to the market and say, here is something, do you, do you want it, do you need it? But it was vice versa, that the demand was already there. Let's call it a wish. It was high on the wish list, 
for, for a lot of artists, and I can vice versa not imagine one artist who would not be interested in this uh, alternative approach. Interesting. Well, I will put some links below the podcast to um, to Sonopress and, and, and particularly this um, this technique that, you, that, you're, that you've shared with me, and also the video which shows the manufacturing process and is really interesting to understand how it, how it is different. I'm sure there might be some people who will reach out to you as, as a result of this. So maybe I, I can put a, a contact um, email address for people who want to uh, see uh, if they can get involved at some point with this. Before I finish, the one final question I ask everybody is, let's talk about the music for a second. If you could only listen to one piece of music for the rest of your life, it could be one song or one album, but what would it be? And I will say for the benefit of listeners at home, Sven is wearing a Beatles t-shirt, but I'm not trying to influence your decision here at all. Yeah, there's so much good music. And uh, honestly, yes, Beatles, because I'm absolutely fascinated by the new number one hit in the UK of now and then from the Beatles. But, but uh, to be honest, my favorite one would be uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, and then especially I said them. That's my favorite. Right, okay. Uh, yes, I will link to that then as well beneath the podcast. Uh, but of course, we are talking in the week where the Beatles have released their new song on vinyl and it's become a huge success everywhere. So, uh, you know, it all ties back together. Okay, Sven, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, John. Thank you. Have a great day. So there we are. Big thanks to Sven for taking the time to tell me all about it and showing me some of the uh, demo products. Uh, and of course, if you would like to get in touch with them, to discuss any possibilities of using the technology yourself, there is an email address below the podcast. And uh, I especially encourage you to have a look at the video uh, that's linked there, which will show you this new machine in operation. Fascinating stuff. Now, if you found the podcast useful, please do share it on with someone else who you think will get something out of it. And if you want to get in touch with me, I would love to hear from you. Please do email me on joe, J-O-E, at musically.com. Remember, as ever, if you'd like to get a free weekly email from Music Ally called The Knowledge, which rounds up bits and pieces of the best analysis, news, marketing insight, and skills from Music Ally's wide range of services, uh, there is a link below the podcast. You can sign up and the email will land with a wet thump in your inbox every Friday. And that's it. So thanks for listening. I've been Joe Sparrow. You've been you. And until next time, farewell. Thank you.